And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. From The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill. The Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. The sun has come up, Adam Johns. The week has moved on. The Bears lost to the Packers. It doesn't even matter anymore. I don't think people have moved on. <laughs> I don't think so either. Matt Nagy did not sound like he moved on to Monday. The only thing that was true of anything I just said opening up this podcast is that the sun is out today, at least here in uh, Vernon Hills, Illinois. Same in Chicago. And that's a good thing for my mental health, at least, uh, in dealing with all this. But it's been an interesting been an interesting couple days, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know what else there is to play for. <laughs> like... We'll get into this, but there are four winnable football games ahead of the Chicago Bears, but at the same time, I think everybody's just reached the point of almost no return for the current regime, at least public, yeah. at least fan-wise. It, it, does, it does feel that way. Like, that's the energy I sense yeah. from, from readers and listeners. Yeah, no, I, I feel it too, um, and I think we felt it when we did our, that live post-game podcast the other night. Uh, which was a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody that interacted and watched live or caught the uh, podcast later. Um, maybe we'll have to do more of that in the future. But welcome in. Hogan Johns here with you. Our midweek episode. We'll hear from Kevin Fishbane here in a bit. You can read Adam Johns and Kevin Fishbane on The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash Hogue and Johns. If you still haven't signed up, you can still get a pretty good deal. $1 a week. Is now the deal uh, if you go to theathletic.com slash Hogan Johnson. Sign up there. Uh, you can read all their outstanding content. My stuff is up at NBCSportsChicago.com. Have a uh, new 10 Bears things out or about to be out, depending on when you're listening to this. And uh, you can read that as well. And I, I think I want to start this by, we'll get to our voicemails here in a second, but because we did the podcast so early, literally in the middle of the game on Sunday, we hadn't written yet. I hadn't written yet. And I wasn't even entirely sure what direction I was going to go. Sometimes the podcast helps with that. And what I ended up doing was sort of, all right, to your point that you just said, that's where the energy is. Whether we think Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, 
will be fired or should be fired. That's almost a separate conversation. What happened Sunday happened. What's happened over the last five weeks has happened. And this is where we are in a situation where it does seem like the hot seats are real. What's going to happen? I don't know. But so what I ended up writing about, Johns, is, well, if you are going to go down that road with changes, you can't do it the same way you've been doing it. And we discussed this Sunday night a little bit too. You, you got to think bigger. You got to think bigger as an organization, in my opinion. You can't just have the same people do the hirings and the firings in the same way you've been doing it. Just like restarting the clock every five years, sometimes three years, with the same results. Use his name, Adam. Go ahead. Use his name. Oh, Ted? There you go. Yeah. Ted. Well, and I'm not saying like Ted Phillips needs to be fired even. I'm just saying there needs to be a new approach. Now, that would be the obvious way of doing it, is to replace Ted Phillips um, or hire somebody else. I don't know. Have a, the, the structure... I'm, I'm interested to hear more about like what you talked about and you reported, what, three, four, five... How many years ago was that now with Chris Ballard? What were the organiza- organizational changes to the structure that he wanted to make? Well, he wanted to answer to the McCaskies. And Ryan Pace does not answer. Well, yes, he does, but there's Ted Phillips is essentially the middleman there. That's the organizational hierarchy that they have. The GM reports to the team president, who goes to the chairman of the board, which, which is George McCaskey. I think that see, this is a very nuanced conversation because it's not like Ted Phillips stands in the way of the things his general managers want to do. You want to you want to trade for Jay Cutler? Go for it. You want to re-sign Jake Cutler to a record-setting contract? Go ahead. You want to trade for Cleo Mack? Go ahead. That's fine with me. Thumbs up. Like, he doesn't stand in the way of blockbuster moves. But he is the guy who hired the guys who made those blockbuster moves. I think that's where where you're at in the conversation. And I even think back to when they hired Nagy. Remember the... Didn't you write some big piece on this? Yeah. yeah. Some people... uh, Airplane tour... The airplane trip from hell, where they, they all, where they like literally almost got in trouble flying in Foxborough, right? In yeah, the, the bomb cyclone. Remember that? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, they they flew from Minneapolis to Hanscom Field. I, I believe that's in New Hampshire because they couldn't go into Boston Logan because of the bomb cyclone. So they had to find a smaller field. But again, your point is, Ted Phillips is. Uh, a prominent piece of that story because he went with Ryan Pace and George McCaskey wherever that chartered plane wanted to go. Whatever agenda that Ryan Pace had set, Ted Phillips was uh, along the way. And um, again, I, I think anything with Ted Phillips when you discuss his role in all this, it's very nuanced. It's not as, like he's not the boogeyman people make him out to be. I, I think that, I'm sure I'm, I'm angering a lot of listeners right now, but that's just not the case. But Yes, if you're George McCaskey, I think everything has to to sort of be on the table. Like you have to think differently in terms of fixing this because your past three attempts did not fix this, even though you've had some various degrees of success under the past three GMs. Well, and I just remember, and I'm trying to pull this up right now, writing three years ago when they fired John Fox and – um, 
Yeah. Sorry, I'm just looking at this as I'm pulling this up. So I wrote a column. I think this is the day John Fox was fired, and and, uh, Ted Phillips talked, and George McCaskey talked, and Ryan Pace talked, and there were mixed messages. And and I think the messages were about, like, I guess how the search was going to go and who had the say. And I think it was clear that Ryan Pace was going to be able to hire whoever he wanted. But remember, this was coming off a coaching search where – there was at least pressure to put John Fox in there after they hired Ryan, Ryan Pace, right? So, and then you hear reading things like what you wrote that, you know, Ted and George are on that plane. They still are involved. And then I remember almost being relieved when you get the story of, okay, Ryan said, calls his wife, you need to get here to Kansas City. Yeah. Get Matt's wife, and they just went out by themselves. Like that, you know, to have that dinner, that was, that makes you feel better about the whole situation, right? It's not how a fan base should feel about that process, if that makes sense. Yeah. I hope I'm articulating that clearly. So the John Fox thing to me is more problematic because, like, there was already interest there from the Bears side, if you can remember that correctly, before even Ryan Pace was officially hired, right? So they're already heading down uh, a path of serious intrigue and interest with John Fox because of Ernie Accorsi and their connections before Ryan Pace is, is, you know, setting up his office at Hallis Hall. Remember the story of Ryan Pace being hired, right? He gets hired and immediately interviews Todd Bowles, who was already at Hallis Hall, being interviewed by the Bears. Yeah. So... Then John Fox becomes part of the picture, and they're already immediately drawn to him because of the Ernie Accorsi connections. And yeah, it, it's all it's all very nuanced. It's all very it's it, it's just all got to be on the table now. If if you're George McCaskey, and I'm guessing he is as angry as he's ever been in terms of evaluating his team. Uh, Matt Nagy may still have a winning record as his head coach, but it doesn't feel that way on December 1st, 2020. Well, we'll see where this goes, but um, I think we've reached a point where, you know, with five with five weeks ago, you can kind of see the direction it's headed, I guess, at this point. Um, but there are winnable games, including Sunday at home against the Lions, which is what stopped the losing streak last year which it seemed bad at four games. This year it's five. So You can always count on the Lions. If you're feeling down, here comes Detroit. It's a good thing the Lions... <laughs> it's a good thing the Lions are in this division. I'll just say that, right? Um, all right, well, before we uh, move on to some of the things that Ryan Pace... Not Ryan Pace. Uh, wish we could hear from Ryan Pace. Uh, Matt Nagy said on Monday, uh, we will get to your voicemails here, and then that's a whole other deal with uh, the... Monday press conference with the head coach. So here you go. I'm sure everybody was calm, cool, and collected on the voicemail line. Sunday is the Bears lost to the Packers. Here are your voicemails. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. 
Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Hey boys, it's Bob Dabrowski here, uh, just calling in from uh, Greenvale, Wisconsin. I've been up in Wisconsin over this uh, Thanksgiving holidays, and uh, it's a beautiful state they got up here. Lots of cheese and bratwursts and beers. It's a too bad shame that uh, they got one pulsating tumor next to Lake Michigan known as the Green Bay Packers. Otherwise, it'd be an A-plus state. Bears by a million. I'll go official prediction because a million is not realistic. Uh, Bears uh, 43 to uh, Packers um, 17. I think they get a couple lucky touchdowns at the end. Let's go Bears. This offense is a box of poo, a box of poo, a box of poo. What the heck? What's going on here? We don't have a quarterback, guys. We're, we're screwed. They're going across the middle against 59 every play. Hey, do you see it? Yes, see I see it? it. Can we please fire Matt Nagy? Please, for the love of God. I mean, save all the Bears fans. Get rid of this f***ing guy. He's garbage. Yep, already done. I guess uh, more losses, better draft pick. F***. Blow this team up. Fire Pace. Fire Nagy. Fire whoever thought it was a good idea to, you know, three-man rush Rodgers the whole game. Fire everybody. Blow this team up. This sucks. Bear down. This team has given up. They don't want to be there. This coaching staff has lost this team. Nobody there seems to give a sh. After this game, if you lose this coaching staff, ride in Green Bay. At least we're consistent. We're terrible on both sides of the ball. It's <sighs> 27 to 3. I just want to drink until I... Can't feel anymore. This past week, my entire family, including me, got COVID. I lost my sense of taste and smell, have no energy, have to parrot my three-year-old. My Thanksgiving meal was tasteless. I celebrated my 35th birthday in bed with no energy. And despite all that, the most disappointing thing this week has been the absolute decimation of the Bears on national television. The Lions fired their GM and head coach. The Broncos played a game without an actual quarterback on the roster, and yet neither of those teams are going to be the biggest embarrassment of the league this week. Leave everyone in Green Bay. Why? Why? Matt in California, this team sucks. Here for the emotional support and therapy. Bear down. Regardless of what your preconceived notions were of Mitch, can we all please just admit that the offense looks a hundred times better than what it was under Foles? Three decades of failed Bears offenses. This is unbelievable. If the McCaskies aren't ready to end this shit, I don't know what is going on with the Chicago Bears. Oh, boys. Go Bears. So I've been a Bears fan for about 20 years now. And let me just tell you what, I've never seen a worse performance over three games than these last three games. I'm not watching another game this season. It's not happening. I'd rather watch Grey's Anatomy over this. It's 34-10. Fire everybody, even the janitor. They're down. Outside of the obvious answer of an elite quarterback, what's it going to take to make this franchise good? Going for it on... Fourth and one when you're at 24 just shows how little respect that the Packers have for this Bears defense. Nepotism has ruined the Chicago Bears. We don't have history. We have a large sample size. Sell the team. Let the adults run the show. I'm sick of it. I would rather 
get eaten by an actual bear, and then have someone decorate my grave with Packers gear and to watch this team. I'm done. I'm done. I just, I'm done. I can't. I can't. I just, this is just, I can't. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. The only f***ing way that this team could be in any way watchable would be to play the game on two-speed playback with the Benny Hill music playing over the top. For f***ing sake. This is a song I wrote to the tune of the Bears fight song. It goes like this. We suck, we really suck. Firebase, Ryan Pace, and the coaching staff. We suck, we really suck. All our offense does is make me laugh. We can't convert to simple third and one. We can't even score a touchdown. We suck, we really suck. Holy cow, we're going to lose 11 games. All my pride and joy is gone. Oh boy, we're terrible. We suck. Well done. Well done. Um, reminded Tough me of to argue with. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very good. Very good. Um, was somebody sick? <laughs> somebody in there had COVID. Oh, man. So well, I hope you're doing Yeah, I hope you're doing well. Yeah, hope that gets better. Hopefully the Bears give you something better to feel about on next Sunday. But, yeah, I hope you feel better. Yeah, having been there, having still sort of dealing with some of this stuff, uh, that's that's not fun. So uh, hope you're doing better and hope everybody else who's not had it stays that way. Be safe because, trust me, you don't, you don't want to be dealing with it. One final note, just like I want the – so if you, if you were to move on from Ted Phillips, what would you do? Let me just bring out a name, okay, that somebody who you can't hire now. But Jason Wright, you know who Jason Wright is? He's the new president of the Washington football team. He's a guy that went to Northwestern, played in the league, and went into a business career after going to the University of Chicago. Okay? So, like, somewhat local ties there. Knows the league. This is a widely celebrated, respected hire. Um, because it made it also made him the first black president of an NFL team, and one of the youngest too, because he's only 38 years old. But after this move was made for for Washington, which has been a train wreck of a franchise, to get somebody like that to come in just changes the energy, and everything from that spot down changes, and all of a sudden you have. Jason right in there. You have, uh, I think they hired Julie Donaldson to run their PR. Then they had, you have Ron Rivera at the head coach. Like, there's just respected people in the organization from top down. So, is ownership still a problem there with Dan Snyder? Probably. But they hired somebody at the top that can really flip things in Washington. Now, that's somebody you can't hire anymore, but that's the type of direction that, again, I think Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are respected. I think they've done a lot of good things. But at this point, it's hard to argue with the, what the results have been. 
especially as of late. So this goes back to how we started the podcast, what I wrote about the other other night. It's just if you're going to go down this road again of change, if that's what you're going to do, you have to think bigger. Can't just be the same old thing for this franchise. Not going to work. You have three playoff wins in 25 years. And Wright is different too. It's not like he started as a pro scout or less than that and kind of worked his way up the ranks of a football team. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he doesn't have those types of experiences completely filling out his roster, right? No, this is a businessman. Like exactly, this is a yes. this is a Ted Phillips, but with a football background. Right. That's what it is. And not somebody who's been in your organization forever. And like that's not taking away anything that's been accomplished in the past or some of the good things that Ted Phillips has done within the organization. And I agree with what you said earlier. Like, he's not... Some of the stuff that gets thrown out there about him is not fair. I agree with that. That doesn't mean that the franchise doesn't need change. That things things get stale over time. I mean, we could talk about the Bulls. The Bulls had been kind of recycling the same... People within the family, within the organization, once a bull, always a bull type of deal. And they finally said, all right, enough is enough. We got to, we're loyal, sure, but we can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And they realize that and they go out and they hire Arturis Karnaschovas. And he hires Mark Eversley. And all of a sudden you have respected people in the building, right? And I I don't know how it's going to work out. But I can at least appreciate that the Bulls tried to go bigger. They thought about it bigger. They went bigger, and they made bigger changes, and now we're going to get to see how it, how it turns out. Well it's, well, it's like the Cubs plan, right? It's the, the John McDonough plan. Even though I don't think Theo or John McDonough are options for the Bears, it's setting up a different organizational structure than what you're used to in order to make something work and end droughts, right? If you just want to look at the the city, our city, Chicago, right? In terms of what the Blackhawks had to do, right? Forty nine years before their first or for their next Stanley Cup, right? The Cubs, that history, decades upon decades mm-hmm. upon decades. It took d- a different way of doing business from a sports perspective in order for those changes to come about to to where championships were won and. I think the Bears, being this far removed from 85, have to consider everything. Like George McCaskey, who I do consider pretty much um, a forward-thinking, outside-of-the-box thinker in in, in a certain extent. Maybe not all the way there yet, but maybe he's getting there um, after what happened against the Packers. Maybe he just has to be nudged in a certain direction now with certain feelings already being felt. But the status quo of doing business isn't working. It just isn't. You need to think differently. You need to approach your way towards success differently. You need different people involved. You need more voices than just a GM reporting to a team president who has been there since, what, 1999. Right. And to be clear, like I don't, I'm not going to pretend to be an expert at what's the structure and what's going on in Washington right now. Like it's still got a lot of problems I got to get over. But um, 
I don't think Jason Wright is overseeing like football operations. He's just the team president. But I think it helps that he, you know, was an NFL player. He has a football background. He seems like somebody that um, was just. It just it it was a good hire. It would have been. And I my overall point is would have been a great hire for the Bears. It would have. It would have been different. But, I mean, it, yeah. I'll say this: it's too early to say whether or not things are going to be successful in Washington. Talking about a team. Yes, Ron Rivera brings a certain degree of respectability to their franchise, but they're still looking for the franchise quarterback. I don't like how they handled the whole Dwayne Haskins situation. Now he's back in the mix, you know, um, to a certain extent. Alex Smith is not your starter. Well, I don't like how Dwayne Haskins handled the Dwayne Haskins situation. No, that's fine. There's questions about Dwayne Haskins coming out of Ohio State, but they're still searching for their quarterback. Same boat as the Bears. Um, same issue. Uh, that a lot of teams have that that doesn't have uh, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, or uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Well, look, I just wanted to. Whenever you say something kind of vague, which I sort of did, you know, think bigger. I just wanted to give an example. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. 
That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's get into some of the stuff with Matt Nagy Monday. It was an interesting press conference, and we'll bring in Kevin Fishbane Tuesdays with the Fishman. What's up, Kev? What's up, guys? Are you having a sense of urgency? Are you feeling some personal pride today? Um, I, I honestly just feel a little bad. I feel like I need to start with a, an apology since I completely dismissed the idea of Michigan State beating Northwestern when you tried to tell me it was probably going to happen. You, you know, Hogue, you were <laughs> right to tell me, don't just be that typical fan, assuming the worst. But this is what Northwestern does. However, if I can use my 15 seconds now. Um, Do it. They're still going to win the Big Ten West. And guess what? They earned that Big Ten West championship. They beat Nebraska. They beat Iowa. They beat Maryland. They beat Purdue. They beat Wisconsin. All right? The Michigan State loss stinks. They were never going to make the college football playoff. It was a fun four days. But you know what? Why were they never going to make the playoff? They weren't going to make the playoff because there's no way they would have been put in the top four. Even if they beat uh, an Indiana if they beat Indiana with a backup quarterback in the Big Ten Championship and yeah. finished 8-0, I don't think they get into the CFP. I don't know. There's enough politics in there, though, that they don't want to set the precedent of leaving the Big Ten Champion out. Yeah. I, I And I will say that, 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 you know, this was my thought process Sunday morning before I knew about Indiana's quarterback situation and knew about Ohio State's situation. But I'm just trying to be a little optimistic. I was pessimistic last week after I went on my... Ivory Tower about how great Northwestern is. I reminded everybody that Northwestern tends to lose bad games after they win big games, yep. which they did. <sighs> My fault. I just feel bad. I feel bad about it. Um, all right. Let's get into Matt Nagy. These uh, comments that were made, a lot of people fired up about them. So uh, we want to make sure we play them for those of you that haven't heard it. So um, we'll start with, I mean, we'll start with this. This is part of what Nagy's message was apparently to the team and then uh, repeating it to the media when he talked to us. Matt, it's obvious, uh, you know, I know losing sucks, period, but it's obvious from where you're at, you're feeling the same thing a lot of folks did last night. And and so, you know, the first thing that people will go to sometimes is preparation and focus. How do you take the temperature of your room and and, and make sure that, that, that your guys are still focused and are still hearing what you and your staff are, are, are trying to, you know, get them to do. Right. That, and you know what that is, Hob, for me, that's staying in constant communication with my leaders. And I do that, you know, and they do that. And I got, you know, we have great leaders on this team. We really do. Uh, but now's the time for them to understand um, where we're at and that, that, you know, the lead in is one thing in practice, the lead in is one thing, you know, in meetings, but now it's about leading on the field and just letting it all loose and just, just where, whoever you are, win your one-on-one battle. And, you know, the preparation-wise during the week, coaches, you know, make sure that we're scheming the right way, that we're, that we're putting our guys in the best position possible. Is there going to be a bad call? Yeah. Is there going to be a good play by the other team? Yeah. But how do you recover from that? And so, I mean, let's face it. We've all been in sports our entire life, most of us. And we've all had some highs and lows. And that right now is a is an extreme low. Um, it's not fun. 
at all. It stinks. Um, but if you, if you, if you, if you fight, if you care, um, if you have a little pride, um, if your DNA allows you to get a little pissed off and angry and maybe then good things happen, but until you keep, it's, it's like that insanity until you keep doing this stuff over and over, you know? And so we got to collectively come together, which we're, we're doing, but we got to do it on Sunday, Saturday, Thursday, whenever the heck the game is, that's when we got to do it. And it's, it's, it can't be talk. It can't be, you know, going through the motions throughout the week. We need to do it every single day in practice, every single day in the meeting. There's an obsession about it. You love what you do. You have a passion. Are you watching extra film, right? Are you getting your rest when you need to get rest? Are you getting the jugs after practice? Are you doing the extra work or you just think you don't have to do that because, you know, you know, we, we can just go play football. That's not the case. Uh, you know, are you studying? Are you watching your, your iPad? Are you asking coaches questions? Coaches, are you talking to your players? And figure it out. Don't sit here and talk about it. Are you doing that right now? Check yourself. And that's where there's some soul searching. I said last night, that's what the soul searching means. It doesn't mean point fingers. It doesn't mean blame. That's not what we do. That's not how we roll. But you better have some stinking fire and you better have some care. And if you have that, I promise you with the talent that we have, good things will happen. But you got to do it. And enough is enough. We all feel it. You guys feel it. We feel it. Trust me. But you got to do it. When we were uh, listening to, to Nagy live on that, I was trying to imagine him delivering the same message over Zoom because they, they, they weren't in the building. You can't be in the building now. Um, especially with the in- intensive protocols, um, they, they or they weren't on Monday or today and Tuesday, like over Zoom. Like, do you think he was like banging on his desk? Like, I, I almost imagined him a couple decibels louder, right? Just almost like screaming into his computer at his players and his coaches. Like, could, could you not? Could you not just visualize that? Yeah. My my first reaction to everything he just said there is like. It's all good. It's all a good message. It's all legitimate, but it's not good that you have to say it this no. late in the season. Like that's that's the problem. Uh, and when he says you better have that stinking fire, I, I I think that's the thing that everybody's struggling with from that game at Lambeau on Sunday. Like we all knew they were probably going to lose. We all knew that they were probably going to be on a five game losing streak going into this week against the Lions. I at least envision a scenario where the Bears played well and actually kind of did like what we saw from the offense was sort of what I expected. Yeah. A, a better offense. Mitch still making mistakes that, that hurt you, but overall a better offense. And if you had paired that with the defense we've seen for most of the season and for most of the time under Matt Nagy, I think that would have resulted in a game that was probably still one possession in the fourth quarter and probably still a Packer victory, but there would have been some positives to take away from it. I don't know why anyone was surprised or, or felt surprised by what Trubisky did in that game. Like, he should have struggled. Everybody should have expected him to struggle. That offense still stinks. 29th overall. You know he's not the quick fix for that, but it's the defense being that flat. Not just, like, flat to open the game, but, like, consistently flatlining and not having that fire that there, there was about. no fight you know they kept getting punched in the face to, to use any boxing analogy you want and they did not retort they, they did not fire back 
I, I, you know, what's the one thing we could always say about Matt Nagy when this team was losing? Is the players played hard for that? You know, late in games, they they'd rally back, they'd make things interesting. You know, obviously we didn't see that from the defense uh, on Sunday night, and, and I almost wonder. And I'm not. I'm obviously not excusing it, but as easy as it was for Aaron Rodgers. You almost wonder is once they went down 13-3, if some of those guys were like, look, we don't have 96. We're not going to score more points than them. And look what he's doing to us. He's on one of those right now. It's over. Um, and again, I'm not condoning it, but I wonder if like the, the opponent makes it, makes it you know, where a 10-point lead feels like 30. Um, I, I, you know, later in that press conference, um, somebody asked Matt Nagy if, if he's bringing up all these things, does that mean he's not seeing it right now? And he kind of went back and goes, no, 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 I am. But if you spend 30 minutes at the jugs, do 40 minutes. If you spend 10 minutes doing this, add, make it 20, like do more, right? Well, at some point, you're just a bad team. Like there's, oh, like I get what he's doing. Like this is kind of, I, I wrote this the other day for the Athletic. Like this is his handing over play calling but as a motivator, right? Like this is his last ditch effort. Like, well, maybe if I light a fire under these guys, uh, maybe that's what'll get them to respond and come up. But we, you know, we all saw that that pregame speech before the game that they showed on NBC. Trubisky, like, yeah, or, Trubisky yeah. and Eddie Jackson, yeah. and like I, I don't think that was fake. I think those guys all go out there and expect at the beginning of the game to put up a fight. I just think that the way that Rodgers walked down the field against them. It, you know that the, to them it was over and, and they look they know what's going on and, and it was probably very difficult for the head coach to see that the defensive coordinator and i realize he was joking but said covid please cancel this game so we don't have to go up there like that happened last week and yes it was a joke but that's a joke that's also rooted in some basis of honesty because that's what Aaron Rodgers does to you. That's what he's done to this franchise so many times before, even though in most of these years, whether it's Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers, the Bears have usually had a pretty good defense. It normally doesn't matter. The You don't say those things unless you're asking your players to do those things. So I think he kind of got caught in there of, He's so determined not to publicly call out his players, and yet he kind of still did. And, you know, Sunday night when I asked him about what Tony Dungy said on the broadcast about the defense laying down, he didn't want to call them out for that. But you know what? I guarantee you went back and watched the tape, saw the same stuff that Tony Dungy and the three of us were watching during the game, and guys that didn't look very willing to tackle at times once that game started to get away. The effort was not 100%. Not even close. And so he saw that. He knows that. And he got after his players. That's kind so of this what, is, yeah. Should we play what he had to say about the defense? Yeah, go ahead. Because yeah. some people have taken issues with this. So let's let's uh, let's hear it, and then we'll react. Matt, with some of those comments you've made about the defense, how and you say you expect them to have received well, but this is the first time we've really heard you call out the defense in this way. I I guess when the defense struggles in a game and the offense doesn't pick them up 
and it's kind of been the other way around when the yeah. offense has struggled. How do you just expect that to be received this week? No, the, the, the guys – see, here's what you got to understand is these guys know how much that I and we have their back as players. This, this, is, this is not news to them. They know how, how they played yesterday. They get it. I'm not breaking any news to anybody on our team how we played defensively, and I'm certainly not breaking news to anybody on our team how we played offensively and that we should have scored more points. Without a doubt, this isn't a blame game we lost because the defense didn't, didn't play well. That's not what this is. But what I'm saying is, is that our defense understands, they know how significant and important they are to this team. And so, you know, when, when they continue to just play the way that they're playing, and it doesn't have to be an all-star eight-sack, four-turnover game every, every week. That's not what, I'm, what we're saying. Um, but our defense – has very high standards for themselves. And that's what I love about our coaches, and that's what I love about our players. So this has zero to do with singling out anybody or calling out anybody. That's not what this is. All this is is a simple fact. Those are numbers that I read to you. And I've already had this this discussion this morning with our coaches. I already had discussions with players last night. And so, you know, that that's that's just that that's that's where it's at. You know, we rely on them and 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 they're a huge part of our success. And they know that. And so our offense on the other side, it's the same thing. We met this morning as well and and understand, okay, where are we at? And how can we get to a point where we're not playing 50 out of 70 snaps and no huddle because of the score, right? How do, when, when we get down there, let's score touchdowns. When we get out there out of the third quarter, instead of, you know, we have a good first down on the first throw of the game, and then we end up, uh, you know, not getting any points. And then our defense comes out. And they get it. They get a. They get them. Force them into a third and twenty, and they throw a screen, and we get them. You know, and you felt that energy, that drive right there by the defense. So, um, I, I'm excited to to see how our defense responds to this. I think that uh, I know. I know they care, and I'm excited to to see really our team and just understanding where we're at and having that personal pride. Not just the players now, coaches too, all of us. So when I first. Her Nagy, like he, he opened that was a follow up, but he, he opened his press conference with criticism of the defense. And at first, you kind of just roll your eyes, right? Like, dude, your defense has been great for so long. Like, you, you should have felt this this coming, right? Like, of course, against all opponents too. Like Aaron Rodgers, he does this to teams. Like, it seemed a bit emotional. It seemed a bit. Um, I don't know if short sighted is the right way to put it, but like maybe channel your energy. Elsewhere, but the but the more I, I thought about this, like slept on it, um, it com- made complete sense to me. the The defense is like his last hope here. Like the offense is beyond broken. It doesn't even matter who plays a quarterback, right? Like, okay, maybe if Tyler Bray's in there, they're done. But like, it doesn't even matter who's playing quarterback. Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky, that offense is broken. Matt Nagy's best hope for saving his season this season and possibly his job is that defense. So coming off that game, he's got to find a way to fire him up. They were awful. They allowed a season high in rushing yards, a season high in first downs. Cleo Mack didn't touch the quarterback. That's all a problem. So to, to see his energy directed towards the defense, maybe it is a last-ditch effort to, to save his season and save his, his team, um, save his job, but I understand it because they are the Bears' last hope to riding this stinking ship, stinking or sinking, either one works, ship right now. The, the stinking, sinking ship. Stinking, sinking ship. There you go. 
Yeah, I mean, look, he the numbers he's referencing, he, he and what you were talking about too, Johns. This was in the open. He said that that's not who we are as a defense. And so when you look at this thing, big picture, and they basically had three drives and around thirty six plays. Twenty two out of those thirty six plays were five plus yards. That's bad. That can't happen. And our I added that that's bad part. Um, but it is bad. That can't happen, and our defensive guys know that. You have to be able to shut them down and not allow 16 first downs in 36 plays. Let me repeat that. 16 first downs in 36 plays. Five of six on third down and three touchdown drives. That's not who our defense is, and our guys, they need to understand where we're coming from with that and how we feed off of them as a defense. They've done a hell of a job all year long, but yesterday was not where we need to be. So I get where some of the criticism's coming from. Like, yeah. hey, wait a minute, dude. You your defense has been carrying you. And they have one bad game, you're calling them out. Like, where is this when you when your offense sucks? Like like you wouldn't have a winning record without that defense. Right. Yeah. I understand that. But I also agree that there are different standards. There are two different standards in the building. Now, that's part of the problem. The part of the problem is your the, the gap between your offense and defense is so big, it's almost like you have two different teams, and they don't feed off each other. There is no complementary football there because the gap's so big. And the standard on the defense is way different than the standard on the offense. So when the offense sucks over and over and over again, I think he. I mean he's called out himself enough uh, very subtly, he puts blames other places. But when you're a coach and you got to play the motivation card, going after backup offensive linemen who really shouldn't be in the first place, I don't. It, you, you can't just tell a bad player to play better and expect him to play better. Okay, in this case, he's talking about a really good defense, players that are good. That, quite frankly, laid down. Yeah, it's a different dynamic. There's a. It's different when bad players are just bad than when good players play bad because it doesn't look like their effort level is where it should be. So, I get the hypocritical nature of it. If you want to point that out, I mean, it's it's hard to deny that. But I also think it's fair. With those numbers that we just mentioned that Matt Nagy brought up on his own, those are horrendous numbers no matter what defense you are. It's okay to be pissed off about that and asking your defense who you know you're capable of playing better to do that. Personal the head coach of the whole team. Yeah, yeah, personal pride, exactly. Maybe a bad team, but you still got a good offense with, or sorry, a good defense with some pretty good players, and when you have a message of personal pride, like that's a shot at your good players. You know what I'm saying? Like the guys with the big contracts, and the biggest contracts on the team are on the defensive side of the ball. Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Eddie Jackson, Kyle Fuller. Like the investment over there is more significant than the investment on the offensive side of the football. So when you use the words personal pride, to me that's a shot at your good players. And everybody should know who the good players are, and most of them are on that. I keep saying offense on that defense. Yeah, I, I don't. These guys are professionals. Like, I, I these guys know what's up. I, I don't. I don't think that defensive players are sitting at home stewing 
over Matt Nagy putting them on blast for literally their worst performance in four years. You have to go back to John Fox's 3-13 and season for another a worse game by the defense. I, I, we've seen Philadelphia last year. Remember, th- it, was a, it was like the worst first half in the third quarter. There was a, I don't know if it was Jordan Howard, but somebody ran for a touchdown and just ran through four Bears on the way in. Yeah, Rams this year, the first drive of the third quarter, similar long touchdown run. We saw with Jamal Williams. The defense does this, and and I, I can't imagine that the fact that they know their offense cannot come back doesn't play a role when they're out there doing everything they can. They look at the scoreboard. They see who's at quarterback. They see who's on the offensive side of the ball. They know what's up. Again, not condoning it, but that's just how they think it. And like, it's fine for Matt Nagy to call them out. We ask Matt Nagy every single week about bad quarterback play, bad offensive line play, wide receivers dropping passes, tight end pr- production, a horrible run game. Every single week, we never have to talk to him about the defense because the defense is always good. So here we go. The defense is their worst performance in years. I think it's okay for him to be a little upset at them. And, and, and to bring it up. And again, as we talked about, this is this is his last-ditch effort because the only way they were going to beat the Packers is if the defense had the game of their lives. And the defense is the, it took them out. You know, because I was, I, I was thinking back to that first drive, guys. Like, the what if I play him ahead. Okay, what if Cole Komet or Allen Robinson catches that pass, right? And the Bears go up 7-6. It would be 13-7 within minutes. Yeah. Like, they were, they, they were not going to win that game even you know, even if that first drive ended the way it should have for the Bears because of the defense, so I think it's fine to you know talk about it in the way. But I I understand the way it looks. It looks you know how it looks from afar, whatever the ten thousand foot view that that Nagy is calling out the, the the side of the ball that's carried him. The defense is the reason he won Coach of the Year in twenty eighteen, right? So I I get I get that there could be some frustration, some animosity. The problem is that, like. What are you good? Like, how do you defend the way that you played? Yeah, in in a must win situation. See again to the point. I don't mind him trying to fire them up. So even if some of those guys have feelings of quit, hanging their heads, right? Wasn't it just a week ago? Eddie Jackson was getting praised for what he said about hanging their heads coming off the field. You know, which was a clear shot at the offense, right? Now you look mm-hmm. at the defense. Matt Nagy doesn't want to see their see them hanging their heads. Um. They can't win any of these games coming up without their defense. Not playing like that. I mean, Matthew Stafford would have a good day if they played that bad. We know Deshaun Watson is going to have a good day. So that personal pride, again, that message about those those two words, it's all about those star defensive players. And now the question is, how do they respond? I'm, that's what I'm interested in. Uh, you know, how – because these are, these are the – Sort of the crossroads of, like I, like I said, there, there's some validity to the hypocritical nature of it. My response is, you still played bad, and your head coach has every right to call you out for that. And, but I, on the flip side, I would also understand a defensive player saying, "Hey, wait a minute, though. You know, we, we're carrying your ass. So, what's the response?" What's the response? Is the response that, and you continue to go down a bad road these final five weeks, or is it no? We still like this head coach. He's right. 
we're going to play better and full effort against the, the Lions on Sunday. That's fascinating to, to think about, I think, going into this game. Well, if the Bears' culture is as strong as they say it is and it's rooted in who those players are as people, you would expect a better response, a good response coming after that game. And a lot of it will help that they're playing a lesser opponent in the Lions, but we'll see what type of pride shows up on the on the field. Can I say one thing about the cult? I'm so sick of hearing about yeah, the culture. Yeah, me too. I, I really am. Like, cool, like congratulations. You, you, and, and I get it. it. It's I appreciate that they built a good culture. You should have a good culture. But your culture still needs to win football games. And when you lose and you lose and you lose and you lose, it no one wants to hear about your culture. You know, what? what if you go on a five-game winning streak here, and the seat, then tell me about how your culture helped you. Right now, it's not helping you. No, no, that's a fair point. It's a fair point. So stop talking about it. I thought the 2016 Bears had a pretty good locker room. They went three and thirteen. No. I wonder if it's a good thing, timing-wise, that everyone is out of the facility Monday and Tuesday, for everyone to kind of be away. You'll, they got meetings over Zoom, you know, looking at film over Zoom. Just just being away from everybody until Wednesday. Maybe this team just needs it. But here's here's what I keep coming back to. The Bears stink coming after coming off buys. They're terrible coming off mm-hmm. buys since Lovey Smith. And you look at that is such to me an indictment on coaching and preparation. Like, well, how about your third quarter stats? Exactly. Every time there is anything that reflects preparation. Week one, they lose. Coming off a bye, they lose. Coming out of halftime, they stink and can't score points. Uh, when they have a Sunday game after a Thursday game, they struggle under this regime. And here you go. You had your defense play great against Minnesota. They did what you were looking for. They, got, they turned the ball over. You got the special teams touchdown and you still couldn't win at home against a division rival on prime time in a must-win situation. You get, you have the Eddie Jackson speech. You have this bye week. It's the Green Bay Packers. It's Lambeau. It's must-win. It's prime time. And that is the performance you put out there? Like, and so with all that said, I understand where Nagy's coming from, but that makes me think, to, to Hogue, to your point about like how do they respond, that was where they should have responded, right? Yeah. That's where we should have seen... The response, like you had all this time to stew over this losing streak, and here's your opportunity to shock the world and beat the Packers. It's hard for me to see them, you know, being able to find that fire again to to beat a, a Lions team on Sunday. Again, I, I think this podcast has just found a solution because off the top of my head, the Bears are four and zero in their last Thursday game, last four Thursday games. Does it yep. go back even farther than that? This is the answer. Don't prepare. Just wing Listen. it. Play every game on three days rest. Don't just wing it. You don't need prep. Two don't years. practice. Just go out there. Two years ago, okay, the Bears won a game on the shortest turnaround in NFL history. That's right. They went from Sunday night to Thursday morning. They had a quarterback in Chase With- Daniel <laughs> who had not taken a single rep. With the ones, because they didn't practice all week, and Mitch was out. And he goes into 
to Ford Field on Thanksgiving where we know it's not easy to beat the Lions in Detroit on Thanksgiving. We've seen the Bears lose up there before. Uh, they've won the last two. And they won. So, yeah, maybe they just need they, they just need a bunch of uh, short weeks. I'm with you. That's the facts. That's that's 100% truth. It is, Chase. He knows what's it up. It is. All right, good stuff. Um, tough times here. <laughs> it just is for the well, franchise. thank God for the Lions. We think. We've... Uh, yeah, but Matt Patricia's not there to to, to uh, might mess it all up. <laughs> to mess it all up with, oh uh, wait, Mitch kills us in man to man one on one situations. Uh, yeah, let's just keep playing that in the fourth quarter. Then that he's not there anymore. Can, can you what what if they lose the Lions? Do you, no, do you fire everybody right then and there? Right. <sighs> well, I mean, probably the, the interesting thing about these next. Uh, probably not. We're getting out of here, I know, but like the next three out of four opponents have already made their own, you know, house cleaning move. It's true. Yep. Well, it's gonna be interesting. You can't lose the Lions. Like, you, you really did, couldn't lose to the Packers, but you probably you were going really to. can't lose the Lions. But you can't lose <laughs> yeah, to the no. Lions. That you just can't. So we'll leave it on that note, and then we'll be back later in the week to preview this game against the Lions because it is still happening. These last five weeks do have to be played out, and uh, they cannot lose to the Lions. So follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns, at Kay Fishbane for all the coverage this week. Uh, read those guys on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at NBCSportsChicago.com. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Appreciate you sticking with us. And whatever happens down the line, we will continue to update you and uh, give you guys our thoughts on it. But um, I don't know it's going to get much better. Maybe at least a losing streak can end this week. We'll see. We'll talk to you on Thursdays. We preview Bears and Lions. See ya. Y'all stay corona-free, all right? And God bless.